Now here's the unfortunate thing. Judah did not learn anything from their northern brothers. They learned nothing. And so about 116 years later, 116 years later, God would send Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians to come and raid Jerusalem and take and burn their temple, kill many of them, and then take the rest of them captive. All exclaiming Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher, Rob Kellogg. Therefore, the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them from his sight. There was none left but the tribe of Judah alone. This was the end of the ten northern tribes as an independent kingdom. When they were dispersed by the Assyrians, some assimilated into other cultures, but others kept their Jewish identity as exiles in other lands. Judah had the lesson right in front of them. The conquered nation of Israel was evidence of what happened when hearts turned from God. Yet they ignored these plain lessons and imitated the sins of Israel. Their captivity was to come upon them. Now here's Pastor Rob with today's lesson. On these high places, they burned incense on all the high places. Notice, underline this, like the nations whom the Lord had carried away from before them. Notice that, underline that. They did this like the nations whom the Lord had carried away before them. And they did wicked things to provoke the Lord to anger. Now, in Genesis 15, you might want to make a little note off the side of your Bible. Genesis 15, beginning in verse 13. Notice what happened when God was giving, making a covenant with Abraham. And God said to Abraham in verse 13 of Genesis 15, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, and will serve them, and they will afflict them 400 years. Where did they serve 400 years? In Egypt, right? They, and, and, cause th- think of the time frame. He's talking to Abraham. So, you know, the, the Exodus hadn't happened yet. So back here, God is telling him that your people are going to, your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them and they will afflict them, meaning the Egyptians, will afflict them 400 years and also the nation whom they serve, I will judge. Did God judge Egypt? Yes, he did. By causing them to go out, he judged the Egyptians. He poured out all those, those plagues upon Egypt and destroyed Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea. We know that. It's recorded for us. But then he says, and also the nation, uh, that nation I will judge. Afterward, they, speaking of your people, the Jews, the children of Israel, shall come out with great possessions. And they did. God is prophesying that it's going to happen. Now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace, and you shall be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they shall return here on this mountain, Abraham, in Canaan, where you're at right now. And why? For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. These are the nations, 
Remember in verse 11 when it says, There they burned incense in all the high places, like the nations whom the Lord had carried away before them. Yes, the Canaanites, the Amorites, their iniquity hadn't become full yet. God gave them opportunity. He gave them much time to turn from it. Do you realize how many years has gone by now? At least 400 that God is counting. At least four generations. But they'd been doing it farther along than that. But God's just saying, in four generations, your people are going to come out of Egypt and they're going to come into that land. And I'm going to use my people to judge those people. Why? Because they're sinners exceedingly. They're giving their kids over to the fire and and sacrificing them. Postpartum, after they've been delivered, they're sacrificing them to pagan gods. We, We visit a place when we go to Israel up in Megiddo, and the altar, they've uncovered it. It's a Canaanite altar going back to like 2500, 2600 B.C., before the Jews even showed up. They were sacrificing children on this altar, and you can see it there today. The nations. And you've become like those nations, Israel. You've become like them. So verse 12 back in our text. So they, for they served idols of which the Lord had said to them, you shall not do this thing. I mean, didn't God give them the, the Ten Commandments? And what was the very first commandment in Exodus chapter 20? The first six verses. Yes. I, and God spoke these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall serve no other gods before me. You shall, make, you shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Not that God's got a jealousy problem. He deserves our praise. The Jews ought to have acknowledged him. I mean, he deserves everything, God. He deserves all the praise. I'm a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and the fourth generation, notice, of those who hate me. Important. There's other passages that don't say for those that hate me, but in the original context, we, we, we know what, it, what that means because God doesn't cause the sin of the fathers, you know, taking the punishment out on the, on the sons. I mean, sometimes there's, there's consequences that a father goes through that the son experiences. I mean, that's definitely true, but God doesn't judge the son for the sins of the father. But for those who hate him, four generations that hate him, father and son, you better believe it. They're going to go through troubles. And notice back in our text in verse 13, yet the Lord testified against Israel and against Judah by all of his prophets. Notice, God even sent them accountability. He sent them prophets, every seer saying, turn from your evil ways and keep my commandments and my statutes according to the law which I commanded your fathers, which I sent to you by my servants, the prophets. Nevertheless, God says, notice the heart of a father here. Nevertheless, they would not hear. But they stiffened their necks like the necks of their fathers who did not believe in the Lord their God. And they rejected his statutes and his covenant, which he had made with their fathers, and his testimonies, which he had testified against them. They followed idols. They became idolaters. And they went after the nations who were all around them, concerning whom the Lord had charged them that they should not do like them. And uh, right in your margin of your Bible, a passage, uh, Deuteronomy chapter chapter 7, verses 1 through 8. Deuteronomy 7, 1 through 8. And I'm going to read it to you because, again, I'm just stacking the deck as we get into this because there is so much accountability here. Do you see that? 
God himself told them. And then when they were messing up, God sent prophets to tell them to turn away, to turn away, to turn away. They didn't listen. And finally, there has, the hammer has to drop. And that's the scary part. That's the part we don't like. It's the part I don't like when the consequence comes due. But God is a loving God. And see, you and I, we don't have to face God in his wrath anymore. Because we believe in him and his, he's taken his punishment out on his son and not on us. Aren't you glad you'll never have to stand before the judge of all creation? Everybody smile. Because that's a really good thing to smile about. You'll never see it, folks. You'll never see it. The worst that you're going to see is what happens on this planet. That's it. That's the worst it's going to get. But then, glory, forever and ever. It'll never end. Hang on to that. In Deuteronomy 7, you know, and why is this? Because uh, it says there, when the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess. Again, remember, in Deuteronomy, before they even went into the promised land, and he says, when you go in to possess the land, you've cast out the many nations before you, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Notice, seven nations greater and mightier than you, and when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, what are you going to do? you got to smoke them all. You shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them, nor show mercy to them, nor shall you make marriages with them. You shall not give your daughter to their son or take their daughter to your son, for they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. And do you see, and you can read the rest of that, but God is basically saying, this is why I wanted, when I had you go into the promised land, I gave you a very specific command. That's why God was so hard on Saul when he went against the Amalekites. Remember that? He went against the Amalekites and they captured Agag, right? And remember, he didn't kill Agag. He didn't kill, he didn't do what God had said. And remember, Samuel was the one who said, what is this bleeding of the sheep I hear? And who is this guy with the crown on his head? You were supposed to destroy all of it, everything, the king as well. So why is he here? And Samuel took care of business. And God says, amen. Because God wanted that to be done to begin with, and yet he didn't do it. And see, the children of Israel had the same problem. As they got into the promised land, they were supposed to wipe out these seven nations. Why? Is it just because God was having a bad day? No, it's because of their sin that had mounted up to heaven. And God says, now is the time. And aren't you, isn't it interesting to you that God used his people to judge somebody else, and then finally God judges them for the same thing? He's not a respecter of persons. He's not partial to one group or another. If you mess around, you're going to have troubles. He used his own people to, to, to eradicate them, and they didn't fully do it. It caused them problems. They married. They intermarried with them. Their kids got wrapped up in their idolatry, and it caused problems. And ultimately, it caused them to be where they're at right now as we read this. Because they didn't do the job those little things, those little insignificant, seemingly, in, seemingly insignificant acts of disobedience, it led to this. It led to them being fully engrossed in idolatry because of the nations that they didn't drive out. Now God says, now do you see why I said to wipe out everything? Because if, you, if you'd done it, you wouldn't be what, what's happening now. Or it would it, it, be very much less anyways. 
You probably could have gone on for hundreds of years, but no, you allowed them to infect you like a cancer, and now I've got to deal with a cancer. But I told you in advance. I sent my prophets telling, and now the hammer has to drop. So, verse 16 back in our text. So they left all the commandments of the Lord their God and see God again telling them why he's bringing them into judgment. They left the commandments. They made for themselves a molded image and two calves, made a wooden image and worshipped all the host of heaven and served Baal. Remember in 1 Kings chapter 12, it was during that time that Jeroboam made those two different golden calves. He put one in Dan in the north and he put another one in Bethel and they worshipped them. Remember that? They weren't supposed to do that. And then, and then in verse 17, and they caused their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire. We saw that last week with Ahaz. And they practiced witchcraft and soothsaying and sold themselves. You heard that phrase, you sold your soul to the devil? This is where you get it from right here. They sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord, to provoke him to anger. Therefore, the Lord was very angry with Israel, and he removed them from his sight. And there was none left but the tribe of Judah alone. And also Judah. Notice, God says, okay, I'm dealing with Israel, but look, what, look, look at the problem with Judah. And Judah did not keep the commandments of the Lord their God, but they walked in the statutes of Israel, which they had made. Now, here is the unfortunate thing. Judah did not learn anything from their northern brothers. They learned nothing. And so about 116 years later, 116 years later, God would send Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylon, Babylonians to come and raid Jerusalem and take and burn their temple, kill many of them, and then take the rest of them captive. He came in 606 BC and he besieged them for 20 years. He tried to starve out Israel, but guess what? Israel's got a water supply right in the, on the inside walls. It's called the Gehon Spring. We actually go there in Israel. We, we walk through the tunnel, and you can actually see where the water shaft was and all this stuff. They had water on the inside. The Babylonians are going, when are these people going to die? Well, they got water, and they had plenty of storage of food. They were just waiting for these guys to go away. They're like, hmm. So God brings 606 B.C. For 20 years, they tried to starve them out, besieging them. And then finally, they're like in 586. They said, okay, that's it, man. We waited 20 years to starve these people out. We're going to start bringing in the battering rams and the trebuchets and the, the things that are, we're just going to go in there. We're going to raise it to the ground. They did. They burn it. They took uh, three different deportments of Jews, the really finest of the Jews, captive. Uh, uh, Ezekiel was one of them. Daniel and his three men, the, the, the king's seed, the, the finest of the finest. They took them. And you know what? We read in Daniel what happened there. So back in verse 20, it says, And the Lord rejected all the descendants of Israel. He afflicted them, delivered them into the hand of plunderers, until he had cast them from his sight. For he tore Israel from the house of David. And they made Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, then, uh, uh, of Nebat king. And then Jeroboam drove Israel from following the Lord. And we know that he did that through his golden calves. He made them commit a great sin. Verse 22, for the children of Israel walked in all of the sins of Jeroboam, which he did, and they did not depart from them. And that is a true statement. As we've been going through First and Second Kings, they never departed from their idolatry. From the very beginning of Jeroboam all the way down to Hosea, this final king that we're looking at tonight, they never, ever, ever recovered. They continued in those things. 
until the Lord removed Israel out of his sight, as he had said, by all the servants, the prophets. And so Israel was carried away from their own land to Assyria as it is, as it is to this day. Now, I want to share something with you because right now you've come to a Bible study tonight and you're thinking it's really nasty out, the ice all over the roads, and you've come to tell me about death and judgment. I'm so happy to be here. But I got some hope for you. Because look at this. Think of the love of God. God had told them. God gave them hope for the future. Even, af- even after their captivity. It tells us in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 30. You might want to write a little note in here in your Bible. Because this is encouraging. And I'm going to read it to you. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 1 through 10. Notice what it says. Uh, give me a second here. I need to... Okay, so Deuteronomy 30, verse 10, notice the grace of God. This is, this is, this is huge because we've been, I want to balance this with grace because it's pretty heavy right now. <laughs> this is not easy. Now, it, can, it shall come to pass, remember, they're on the, when this was being spoke to them, they were still on the eastern side of the Jordan getting ready to go over into the promised land. So God tells them, it shall come to pass. When all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I have set before you, and you call them to mind among the nations where the Lord your God drives you, God's already anticipating, prophesying that this is what they're going to do, but they have a choice. And you return to the Lord your God and obey his voice according to all that I commanded you today, you and your children, with all your heart and with all your soul. When you do that, that the Lord your God will bring you back from the captivity and have compassion on you. And gather you again from all the nations where the Lord your God has scattered you. Hasn't he done that? I mean, you know, when, uh, when the siege happened in, in, in Israel, the, many people defected down into the southern two tribes. Many people did. There was a great conglomerate of people that left there before Syria came and destroyed them and took them captive. And so Judah and Benjamin now have got a mishmash of all these different tribes, a mixture of them. And ultimately, when God came to take Judah captive through Babylon, or through Babylon, what did Jeremiah 25, 25 tell us? That he, they're going to be there for 70 years. And they were there 70 years. And guess what? God brought them back. He told them that he would do it, and he was faithful. He told them 70 years. Jeremiah was still in Jerusalem when the children of Israel were all in captivity in Babylon. Ezekiel was in Babylon. Jeremiah stayed back in in Jerusalem. And God gave a word, and it's written for us in Jeremiah 25. And that letter would be sent to Babylon, and they would find out 70 years. And here's why 70 years. And I won't go into all that right now because we don't have time. But he gave them a very specific point. 70 years, you're coming back to this place. You're going to rebuild your temple. Hang in there. While you're there, have children. Plant your vineyards. Obey And stay away from the false gods. And many did. They learned their lesson. When they came back from their captivity, they didn't have issues with idolatry like they did before. God had rooted that from them. And verse 4 here, uh, again, in uh, where we, uh, Deuteronomy 30, 
If any of you are driven out to the farthest parts under heaven, from there the Lord your God will gather you. Notice that. Like a, like a, like a, a shepherd goes for, you know, he leaves the 99 and goes after the one. He's going to do that for Israel. He's going to gather them. If any of you are driven out to the farthest parts under heaven, from there the Lord your God will gather you, and from there he will bring you, and then the Lord your God will bring you to the land which your fathers possessed, and you shall possess it. He'll prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers, and the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all of your heart with all of your soul that you may live and see that's there it is you know and um, what a wonderful thing what a wonderful thing so look at verse 24 now this is interesting we're going to go through this pretty quickly then the king of Assyria brought notice the method of what they did this is really telling the king of Assyria, he brought the people. Again, this is probably Sargon II. The king of Assyria brought people from Babylon, Kuthath, uh, Kutha, I'm sorry, Ava, uh, Hamath, and from Sepharvaim, and placed them in the cities of Samaria instead of the children of Israel, and they took possession of Samaria and dwelt in the cities. So do you see what they did? Assyria came, they took the Jews out of the land, put them in other places, and then took other peoples, Gentiles, pagans, brought them into the land and said, hey, the houses are ready, the vineyards are already there, you guys tend it. Hey, great, this is great. A land flowing with milk and honey. Go figure. Happy are we. <laughs> and they did. And so they populated these pagans, these, the heathen, the Gentiles, and it was so at the beginning of their dwelling there that they did not fear the Lord, of course, because they're pagans. Therefore the Lord sent lions among them, which killed some of them. So they spoke to the king of Assyria, saying, The nations whom you have removed and placed in the cities of Samaria do not know the rituals of the God of the land. Therefore he has sent lions among them. So they're very superstitious, these people. So indeed, they are killing them because they don't know the rituals of the God of the land. So they're really thinking of Jehovah, they're really thinking of him like every other god that they make mad. And, and, then, and then something bad happens, and then they're like, we've got we to gotta worship this god so that we appease him. But they fail to realize that Jehovah is God over all. Just serve the one. Get rid of the others. Right? So the king of Assyria commanded, saying, Well, send there one of the priests whom you brought from there, and let him go and dwell there. Let him teach them the rituals of the god of the land. And then one of the priests whom they had carried away from Samaria, came and he dwelt in Bethel and he taught them how they should fear the Lord. What a great blessing. This is almost like unusual, isn't it? He brings these pagans in. They're, they're, the lions are killing them. We're upsetting their God. We'll send one of the priests and tell you the good things that, you know, the, the ways that you guys ought to worship. And so the priest is going, what kind of gig is this? I get to go back and tell them about the Lord? And so it seemed like a good thing. But there's always a fly in the ointment, isn't there? However, every nation continued to make gods of its own and put them in the shrines on the high places which the Samaritans had made. Every nation in the cities which, where they dwell, the men of Babylon made Succoth, Benoth. The men of Kuth made Nergal. These are all idols. The men of Hamath made Ashima. And the Avites made Nibhaz and Tartek. And the Sepharvaites burned their children in fire to Adramelech and Anamelech, the gods of Sepharvaim. And so they feared the Lord, and from every class they appointed for themselves priests of the high places who sat sacrifice for them in the shrines of the high places. Now, in verse 32, when it says that they feared the Lord, it doesn't mean that they feared the Lord. 
It means that they reverenced him, but he's just one of many. That's the end of our lesson for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Kings. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office you can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.